Hi. Morning. I was going to kick, like, the kids get up and then they freeze. And they don't move until I go, Sunday school's dismissed. Then they go, like, we do the same thing, same time every Sunday. But they still go, like, there's a couple of them looking at me like, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? It's really funny. Turn with me, please, to Psalm 30. We're going to look at Psalm 30 today. And uh, we will take a look at Psalm 30, uh, just as an overview of what the psalm is, and then we're going to kind of go expository down the line, hopefully uh, glean some things from this psalm uh, in, our, in our life, in our spiritual walk, in our relationship with the Lord. So we Psalm 30, beginning in verse 1. A psalm. A song at the dedication of the house of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let's come to the time to the Lord. Father, again, we thank you for the blessed time and privilege it is to study your word, not just on our own, but collectively as a body. Lord, we thank you for the truths uh, that are found in your word and pray that you reveal them to us today. Uh, Thank you for revealing yourself through your word and for revealing your son in your word and that he is the living word. And so as we uh, digest your word, may we have the appreciation and love for it and certainly the heart change that it brings. And we thank you and ask you to bless this time now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So it is a psalm of... It says here, a dedication at the house of David. But there's nothing in the psalm that talks about a house. So it's kind of a unique, unique title. Um, so there's a lot of speculation, I'm going to call it, on when this was actually given. Um, is it actually when David's house was built? Is it um, really meant more for David's house kind of being brought back together, his home, his, his life? Um, or is it meant to be uh, sung at the dedication of, of the temple? And as I look through and study the kind of context of these verses, it's kind of interesting to think that this most seems applicable um, to the situation David had when he bought the threshing floor from Ornan. And if you don't know um, the story, um, I'm going to spare us the time of of reading it, but um, the story goes like this. David is influenced, and whether you read um, Kings or Chronicles, one will say the Lord was angry with people and he influenced David. Another will, in Chronicles will say that Satan uh, stirred David's heart, and he tells him to do a census of the people. 
which is actually a sin. Because what is David looking for? David's looking for his pride. How big is my kingdom? God said, don't do that. It's my kingdom. It's my people. You don't count them. So when David did this, um, God became angry and caused the, um, he let David kind of choose. And actually, let's go there. I changed my mind. That's my prerogative um, from being here. I have the microphone. You don't. So we have to go where I want. And so First Chronicles chapter 21. Um, and so to give you kind of a background, you know, as I was saying, David got kind of caught up in his pride. And the people get counted, but not all the people get counted, and they didn't even do the census correctly, so God is displeased. And in verse 8 of 1 Chronicles chapter 21, David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose for yourself either three years of famine or three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else for three days the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what answer I should take back to him, which is the Lord who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please, let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was destroying, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster, and said to the angel who was destroying, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Then David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? I am the one who has sinned and done evil indeed. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O Lord my God, be against me and my father's house, for not against your people, that they should be plagued. Therefore the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan turned and saw the angel, and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. But Ornan continued threshing wheat. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor and bowed before David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at the full price, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan said to David, Take it to yourself, and let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I also give you the oxen for burnt offering, the threshing implements for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. Then King David said to Ornan, No. But I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor burnt, offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. So David built an altar there. And we'll stop at that point and we'll go back to Psalm 30. But the, um, this place ends up being where the temple is built. And so one, one view of this psalm is David's response to that moment. 
And it's a song. It's a song that David sings to the Lord that he has written as a response to this situation. David's been through something very trying. And this psalm is, 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 a, is a story of his heart, and it's a story of his response to God. It's interesting that it's called the dedication of the house of God. And it ends with, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The heart of David, though sinful, still recognized that God has to be praised. He wasn't angry at God. He was not vindictive at God. He realized it was his sin that caused this. And as God brought him out, when we looked through the psalm, God gets to be praised for it. When God brings us through something, what we have awaiting for us should be dedicated to him. It needs to be turned back to God, saying, God, this is all about you. See, this is not really about the house. The house in this situation whether it be the temple, the house, whatever it may be, the threshing floor. Um, it's, this, this psalm is more of a metaphor. It's about David's heart towards God because of his condition and state and what he had done and what God has done with him. And in verse 1, get a little feedback, Josh. A little feedback. In verse 1, he begins with this. I will extol you. O oh Lord, for you have lifted me up. The first thing that comes out of David's mouth is, God, I lift you up. The first thing that David wants to do is lift up, extol, exalt the name of God. It's his response to what God has done. David's been through a hard time. David's thrown his face on the ground. David's been clothed in sackcloth. David's been in mourning. But David wants to praise God. For you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. I think that um, in trying to take this out and look at it in a more practical way, I, I, I felt burdened to consider what does it mean to have a foe? A foe is an adversary. It's someone who's against you and opposed to you and trying to bring you down and trying to stop what you're trying to do. But it also can be just any kind of uh, hardship that's causing... For us, it's a hardship that's causing distress, I think what I'm trying to say. We who are born again, who have been washed by the blood, do we view other people as foes? Do we have a view that there are foes in this world? Do we have enemies in this world at this time? I would hope that we don't. I think there should be two ways we look at people. They're either fellow believers that we're going to spend eternity with, and we have to work out our relationships knowing that we are both bought by the blood, the same blood of the same Savior, or there are those who are lost who just don't know. But they should not be considered Foes are enemies. But in this situation for us, I like to look at this as what causes us distress. What is it that's trying to have victory over you? What wants to put us down? Because it can't. 
Do you realize that? Do you realize that in God, whatever your foe is, whatever your enemy is, whatever your, your burden, your heartache, your, your, your trouble, it can't have victory. It can't. So we can, we can praise this psalm and, and sing it to God all day long. God, you have lifted me up above this because there is nothing that can have victory over me in my life. You will not let anything have victory in me. The victory that is Christ's is mine. So God, I will extol you. I will lift you up because you have put me on a high place. You've put me on the rock that is Jesus Christ. What's the burden? What are you viewing as, as your foe? What is, what is your distress? What is your burden? So I want to tell you that it cannot, cannot have victory. We can share in this attitude of David. He goes on, Oh Lord my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Notice that it's, it's God that he cries out to. That is where David goes. The word healed can mean a lot of different things. It doesn't necessarily mean he was physically sick. Maybe he was going through a physical thing when he wrote this. <clears throat> but it speaks more to being restored, uh, being made well. We can take this and we can look at it as physically, certainly, emotionally, absolutely, spiritually, Completely. God, you have healed me. The phrase, <laughs> O Lord my God, is such a beautiful personal name or, or calling out to God that David uses. The phrase, O Lord my God, is almost only used by David, Solomon, any other psalmist that maybe aren't named, that maybe weren't David or Solomon, because it's only in the Psalms, and Habakkuk. That's the only places I can find, O Lord, my God. Who can say that but someone who knows God intimately? O oh Lord, O oh Jehovah, O oh Infinite One, O oh One without beginning and without end, One who is self-sufficient, self-sustaining, and has always been. My God, my, my Lord, my authority. You are mine. I have to admit that's why we sang How Great Thou Art today, because O oh Lord, my God is in it, and I just couldn't get it out of my head as I was thinking about this verse. <coughs> Can you call out to God that intimately? Because we should be able to. Because this applies to us now who are in Christ. I cried out to you. I didn't cry out to any other. It was you alone. Because you are my God. I cried out to you. And you restored my heart. 
I was down. I was broken. I was defeated. Look what he goes on to say in verse 3. Oh Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Is David really talking about death? He very well could be. But sometimes we feel such despair that we feel that's all that's next. I have nowhere to go but down. And that's a lie. Because in God, He's brought us up. It is the Lord who has brought him up. It is the Lord that he goes to. David was hopeless. But it was his God who restored his heart. It's it's a blessing. And it is helpful. And it is encouraging to have brothers and sisters to share our burdens with. And we should. And I encourage you to do that. Because it is through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, the unity that we have, that we can pick each other up. When we feel this down, I have nothing left here. I, I, I am lost. I'm at my wit's end. There is no hope. That's what someone says, I have no hope. All that's left for me is the grave. I, I have no hope. But it's God who lifts us up. It's God who changes the heart. It's God who looks at the person and speaks to the heart. It says, oh no, not you, my child. Not you. You are mine. Do not be hopeless. Do not despair. Do not forget, brothers and sisters, that there is a confirmed, eternal promise that is secured through the Holy Spirit that is yours and ours. So this healing... This, this, this burden, uh, I'm going I'm to call it soul sickness. It, it's a hopelessness and it's a defeat. But let it never be true of us. For we are indeed saved. And there is nothing that can change that and take us out of that position with God. Now David goes on to verse 4, which he did not call verse 4. And he says this, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Now it becomes inclusive. Now what David's been through becomes everyone's joy. Do you realize that? We're not to be isolated. We're not to be isolated in our pain and in our sorrow, and we're certainly not to be isolated in our worship and in our joy. David calls all to join him, to sing praises, to the Lord. Who gets to sing these praises? It's God's saints. Which obviously is those people who are just so good and wholesome and perfect in every way and everything they say and do. That's the only ones who get to sing. The saints. No. 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 It's those who are washed by the blood of the Lamb. Those who are washed by the blood of the Lamb are the saints of God. Those who are sanctified and called out, not because they're perfect, but because they knew that salvation comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ and they've given themselves to Him. These are the ones who get to say, I see what God did. Thank you for telling me what God did. I'm going to sing praises with you. 
We're going to do this together. You are not alone in your heartache, though it is God alone who can heal you. But praise, praise we're going to share together. We're going to worship this God together. Because I know the same God. The one you say, O Lord my God, I say, O Lord my God. He's the same to me that he is to you. So whatever victory he does in your life is a victory in my life. So let's sing praises together. And how are these praises to be sung? To give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Do we need any more than that? Do we need anything more to remember who God is? Because in His holy name encompasses everything that He does, all the mercy, all the loving kindness, all the grace, all the righteousness, and all the justice, and the salvation. The remembrance of his name. No, 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 I'm sorry. His holy name. Because there is no other name. It is a set-apart name. It is the only name. Do we remember that name? Should the remembrance, the remembrance of that name, I think it poses a question, I'm going to tell you. The remembrance of his holy name should cause the heart to swell and want to praise. That's all it takes. David's going to tell us a little bit more about why. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. What we know and what others need to know is that our God, the great lie, is that he is an angry God. He is not an angry God. He is a merciful God. But he is a God who is justified when he is caused to be angry. But know this about God, it's right here. His anger is but for a moment. His anger is but for a moment. If he's angry, he's justified. But know this, that is not the state of God. God's state is not anger. Anger is a reaction by God because of what he sees or what is done. But it's only for a moment. But what is not? His favor. His favor is for life. The mercy of God, the loving kindness of God, for those who know God and call on God and say, God, you are my God. Know his favor. One of the, uh, certainly, More uh, famous verses, I guess. I think, I think this is such a, a verse that's used so often. Weeping may endure for a night, <clears throat> but joy comes in the morning. In Psalm 54, God said this to the prophet. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, 
says the Lord, your Redeemer. You know, the night, the night is a symbol here in this verse. Because it may not, you know, I'm sure everybody here knows this. We may weep for more than just a night. I can't, I can't tell you, promise you, that this verse says that you're going to weep for a night and then tomorrow, no matter what happens, you're going to feel better. Unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't. But the night symbolizes that time that we're going through. The darkness is the symbol of isolation and loneliness, fear, all that we can't see and don't know. What's going to happen next? What's out there? I don't know. All all the stress. That's just that's just for a night. But in the morning, oh, in the morning, when the light shines, when it's taken away, when it's cleared, we can say, "Oh Lord, my God, I extol you." That brings joy. It talks about a new start. It's fresh. It's new. It's, it's all over. I want to give you an illustration. Sorry, I meant to do this before. So I want to tell you what this word doesn't mean. Because there's different joys in the language that's translated. And so we often think of joy in a certain way. What joy doesn't mean in this translation is this. Oh, thank goodness that's over. Woo! Wow. That's not the joy. And it's not this, believe it or not. Here's an example of what this word literally means. Yes! My God! Let me turn this down. Yes! 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 My God, what have you done? My God! Yes! 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 My God is awesome! Woo! Yes! That's literally what that word means. Honest. It's a shout. It's a proclamation. It's rejoicing. It's even singing, because I love you, I'm not going to do that. But it's even that. Joy comes in the morning. It's a shout. When we come out, when we come through, when the morning comes, is that how you feel? When you look at what God has done, what God has brought you through, and you feel when the weeping is done and the night is past, are you able to say, Yes! My God did it again. My God who never fails me. My God who I trust. The God who promised me. He did it again. And I knew He would. I knew He would. That's real joy. I'm going to kind of group these verses together. What happens next is I think where David reveals 
what actually caused him to be in this condition with God. He says, now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. David's pride got him. I'm going to do a census of the people. I am good, I am great, I am king. I am prosperous. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. But I said in my prosperity. God, it was you who put me in that place. It was God, you who established everything. You gave me every good thing. And I had the audacity to say, in my prosperity. So what does God do? God hit his face. And I was troubled. David felt the absence of God. He knows now that there's a problem, there's a separation between him and God. He's got heartache. Those of us who are one with God, redeemed by God, and with the Holy Spirit indwelling, should recognize when our relationship is broken. David does the only thing he can do. He cries out to God. And he makes a supplication. And he says this, God, what profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. David beseeches God. He petitions God. And says, God, I'm no good to you in the grave. Now again, this is before Christ. For me to die is gain, Right? For me to live as Christ. But it's true in the metaphorical way. God, what good am I to you when you don't use me? God, restore me. God, I'm sorry for what I did. God, this is my fault. This is all on me. But God, if you abandon me and you say you're worthless, how do you get praised? It's a valid petition. But it's more about David than God. Because God's desire is to restore him. That's God's plan. So it's David's heart that needs to be realized. Maybe it's our heart that needs to realize. I've put myself in a position God can't use me. What value am I to God? So God, restore me. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy. And God does respond. God does respond. In verse 11, he says this. You have churned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Again, another verse that's very well known and often used for comfort, understandably, that in God, when we mourn, he can lift our hearts. But in the context of this psalm in which David says it, it's really about him being restored to God because of his sin that broke his relationship with God. What was he mourning? He was mourning his sin. David was in mourning because of his sin. So again, do we mourn when we realize we've sinned? 
Does what breaks God's heart break mine? And when we're restored, do we dance? Do we dance? Because that is the expression, even if you don't want to dance, at least dance in your heart. When we're back in right relationship with God, and we're right back with Him where we're supposed to be, and maybe even better because we've grown, we should be uplifted. That joy, turn it into dancing. When David was in mourning, when he had sinned against God and done the census, what did him and the other people do? They covered themselves with sackcloth and they threw themselves on the ground at the mercy of God. And now where is he? You have cl- taken it off of me. It's God who takes off the sackcloth. It's God, who, it's God who says you don't wear this anymore. And it's God who says you wear my gladness because you are my beautiful child. And I'm so thankful that you've come back to me, that you've cried out to me. You didn't try to go over there and fix it. You didn't try to go over there and fix it. You didn't try this and you didn't try that. You didn't try to make it right. You cried out to me. So now I'm going to clothe you with gladness. And David dances. As we close the final verse, to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, he says it again, I will give thanks to you forever. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you. Anything that is good in me, anything that I have, is going to be used to praise you. To its very end. A beautiful thought. What a wonderful way to be. I will give thanks to you forever. You do realize we're going to do that, right? Okay. All right. I'm just checking. All right. Okay. Because for those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that is our destiny. Know that this is a secured promise for you. We're going to give thanks to God forever. Let's not be silent now, though. Let's not be silent now. Let's be like David. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Until that time where we will be in the kingdom, in the glory of heaven, and we will get to sing forever and praise him and thank him forever, Let's do it now. Let's remember that everything we have is by God's hand. Let's remember to be humble before God and not take pride in our prosperity so that we do not break our fellowship and our relationship with Him. Know that joy comes in the morning. Know. Know that joy comes in the morning. The weeping is just for a night. The morning brings a whole new start but that morning turns into dancing in the glory of God. Let's give thanks. Lord our God, we thank you again for thy word this morning. May we be reminded and encouraged and not be defeated. Lord, there's a lot in this world that wants to beat us down, 
wants to tell us that we are not worth the blood of the Lamb, that wants to tell us that we're no good, that we fail, that we do not bring glory to you, and that's a lie. So, O oh Lord my God, O oh Lord our God, we thank you for the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, that we have been washed clean from every sin, that we will give thanks to you forever, that we will exalt your name. And until that glorious time, may we do so now. May we enjoy the blessings and the joy and the hope that we have now. Lord, I pray if anyone is in mourning, that you would turn it into joy. If anyone's weeping in the night right now, Father, I ask for the joy that is beyond expression, the joy that cannot be contained, the joy that makes everyone look and say, what is that? Where does that come from? Because there is a joy that only comes from knowing you. Lord God, again, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we have the privilege to praise him forever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Lord bless you.